Good morning and welcome to Building Beast Brands, the authentic Rob G podcast. I am Rob G. Today is Wednesday, January 9th, 2019. It's 40 degrees here in the tri-state area, which is unbelievable. Usually it's already in the 20s by now, at least the low 30s. So it's really weird. Don't know what's going on, but that usually means that by the next week or two, we're going to get this cold snap and it's going to automatically be 20 degrees every day. That's the way it usually works. It's crazy weather here. They have a saying in this part of the country. said, if you don't like the weather, don't worry about it. Just wait a minute. It'll change. That's what we're waiting for now. But in any event, I want to talk to you today about something I saw on Facebook uh, a couple of days ago. I think it was actually I think it was yesterday. And it was a photograph. Uh, this guy I'm friends with on Facebook and actually was kind of friends with him way back in the day. And he posted a photo of something that was happening locally that he found very sad. But before I get into what that is, I want to tell you to find me across the web where you can hear more about this branding stuff and what it means to you and how you can get some more of it. Some good stuff, some branding type uh, help that will get you differentiated from all your competitors because that's what branding is. It's differentiating yourself from the competitors. Standing out in a lot of same, same businesses. How do you do that? That's what we talk about. So you can find me across the web on Twitter and Instagram at AuthenticRobG. You can find me on YouTube for my channel Savvy, S-A-V-V-Y with Rob G, where I talk about business ownership, branding, and productivity. And, you know, this is all part of my journey here. And if you're just joining, you don't know who the heck I am or what the heck I'm doing or why the heck am I talking about this stuff. What's his deal? Well, I work a nine-to-five job. I build a company outside of that. And this is my journey and someday making a transition to full-time business owner. But building a company in the quote-unquote safety of having a full-time income. It's the way I'm choosing to do it. I don't have any backers, financial backers. And I don't have tons of money saved up in the bank to just take the leap. That's due to a couple of unexpected layoffs that were very close together. It really devastated my family. So this is the way I'm choosing to do it. Maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe you're looking to do it. Maybe you've always wanted to start a company, but you feel like a full-time job might be holding you back, or maybe you're just complacent in that full-time job. That could be too. Maybe I'll say some things here that might help you along a bit, and like, I should probably start talking more about that. If you, if you want to hear more about how I'm dealing with working a 9-to-5 job, one-hour commute each way, every day, uh, family, uh, four kids, well, one's married and out the door, but... Uh, balancing family, balancing keeping my health and fitness in control, and still making time to learn and grow and build relationships. It's a lot. It's a lot to take on. In an earlier podcast last week, I was talking about how I was having an email conversation with a guy that I used to work with, and I was explaining to him everything. What I want to get together. I was telling him about everything that. I've got going on and when I was saying I was like wow I'm doing a lot of stuff 
when you list it, it seems like a lot of stuff, but I always feel like I could do more. So balancing that stuff, that's, that's going to be a whole podcast, I suppose. If you want to hear about that, you just let me know. Like I said, across the web where you can find me, and I will talk about more about that stuff. But today, I have this picture in my head of this post that I saw on Facebook. A guy I knew way back when. We used to hang out, more or less, on a regular basis back in the 80s. Back in the mid... No, it was, yeah, it was the early to mid-80s. And he had a picture on his timeline of the cranes taking down the sign for Sears. Now, if you're a millennial, you're like, Sears? What the heck is that? Or maybe you've heard of it, but you have no idea what it is. Or if you're older, you remember Sears. Now, this guy that I used to know, he was always in the auto business of sorts. He, he fixed cars. I think one time he actually worked for an auto parts place. But he, he oh, you know what? He actually did work for Sears itself in their auto center. He, I remember he used to fix small engines was his thing. Lawnmower engines, motorcycle engines, I guess anything with a small engine. I'm not an engine guy. I don't, you know, I never got grease on my hands. I don't get that stuff. But he was really good at it. And he posted that sign of them dismantling Sears. Why? Because they're out of business. They went bankrupt and they're closing their stores. And I actually don't know the full extent of the closures yet. From what I heard and last I saw, they were pretty much done for. Now, Sears started out as a mail order business way, 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 way back when, before I was born, of course. So you'd go through a catalog and you'd pick stuff out of the catalog, you know, a book, and you would. I guess you would write to them. See, I don't even know because it was so before my time. Maybe at one time, I'm sure you'd call them up, a 1-800 number, and call them up and tell them what you want, and they'd send it to you. And they established their stores, and you go in there, and they became known. They were like the household place. As a kid, I remember going to Sears with my parents, and they would be picking out a washer and a dryer or a refrigerator because Sears was synonymous with household stuff like appliances they had their own appliance line I think that was the Kenmore line I think that was their brand and they sold other brands too but you know Kenmore was respected it was a respected household brand and people used to go there to buy those things they were also really known for their tools they had their own brand Craftsman Tools and for a household person, you know, a man of the house type of guy, not a mechanic or anything like that, but household tools, yeah, craftsmen, craftsmen are good tools, lifetime warranty, you have a screwdriver for 20 years, one day, somehow it breaks, I don't know how you'd break it, but somehow it break, you bring it in, they just replace it, no charge, which is pretty awesome, I remember my first tool set when I was about 15 years old. Got that for my birthday. Craftsman tool set. Some wrenches, some screwdrivers, a hammer. Still have them to this day. But that's what they were known for. They were known for the craftsman line. And they had power tools. And then they had their own lawnmowers. They really got into the household category. 
they were known for their auto centers. And this is where uh, a friend of mine, he worked there. And they were known for their batteries, their die-hard batteries. That was their brand. So Sears was a brand, and they were known for their sub-brands that they carry, their house brands, Kenmore, Craftsman, Die Hard, Die Hard Batteries. What a great name. That pretty much says it all, Die Hard. And they also changed tires, and they would do your shocks. And you, They had a, a freestanding auto center right by the retail store, and you would go there have them put a battery in and have them put new tires on your car and Sears this is what they were known for this is what they were respected for and this is what people used them for this is what they went for that's why you went to Sears I mean even as I got older as a older teenager and into my 20s if I needed some kind of tool there wasn't a question on where I was going do you remember this if you're my age you know, 51 years old, you remember this. If you needed a tool, you didn't... There was no question. You went to Sears. And they had the biggest selection of wrenches and screwdrivers and then anything you could think of that you needed, socket sets. You got them there, and you were proud to have the craftsman tools in your toolbox. It's like you were serious, like you actually knew what you were doing, as, I, as if I knew what I was doing. I, you know, I, I'd fix things now and then. I was okay. I wasn't Mr. Handyman. That wasn't really my thing. But, you know, I think every man should learn how to at least fix basic stuff. It's kind of your job when you get married and can't expect your wife to be fixing things and electrical and basic plumbing and that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm always fixing things. I got four kids. Growing up, four kids in my house, me, growing up as a dad. <laughs> You know, kids break everything. I'm always, fi- I was always fixing stuff. Always, always fixing stuff or replacing stuff because that's kid. That's what kids do. They break stuff. So I always had my craftsman tools at the ready. But now they're dismantling this sign. They're closing their doors. And as I think back on it, I'm thinking, what happened to this age-old brand that not only did I grow up with, but my dad grew up with. And his dad grew up with this respected brand, this icon, this American icon that people stood by because they always stood by their consumer. What happened? I'm not sure what year it was, but here's what happens when you try to be everything to everybody. You try and compete in the arena that is not the one that you built. They built the arena for household. They played in it. They stayed in it. They excelled at it. They were the undisputed heavyweight champion in their arena. So what did they do when they started to become a little less cool? In order to become cool again, they decided, hey, we're always playing these home games. We play in our arena, you know, and we're really strong here. But we're so strong, we believe we can go and play in other people's arena. So you know what we're going to do? Yeah, we sell appliances, and we're known for our tools. We have auto centers and die-hard batteries that people come to rely on. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get into the fashion game. That's right. We're, we're going to sell We're going to sell clothing that, that people want. Well, we, we don't attract a lot of 
housewives and moms. So let's let's sell some cool clothing. Yeah, let's sell some pretty dresses and let's sell jewelry. Let's do that. Let's sell bras and panties. You know, because as a company that's known for their tools, appliances, and auto, let's get into the lingerie space. Are you effing kidding me? Seriously, I mean, that is so ridiculous. But you know what happened was Target came to town. And the very confused CEO of Sears must have thought, well, Target is excelling in their fashion and their household space in terms of the inside of the house where um, housewares, I should say. So the mom shopped at Target and got clothing there and cool clothing and housewares, you know, not appliances, but housewares, uh, you know, accessories for the house. And Sears thought, well, I guess we should play that game because, you know, they're really good at that. And now they've come to town and we want to be able to compete with them because we're so awesome. And that's where brands get really, really confused and really, really stupid because you don't do that. You built this amazing thunderdome of an arena and you decide to go play in somebody else's because you think you're so amazing at everything and you're not. A brand cannot be amazing at everything. You stay in the lane that you built and you keep rolling down the road in that lane and forget all the others who are in a different lane. If it's your own lane, you own it. You can go as fast as you want, as far as you want. But Sears' problem, in my opinion, was not an issue of being able to compete in other categories. It was an issue of relevance. They tried to do something because they wanted to up their image. So instead of just revamping their image to be relevant and cool, but in the same arena, they decided to sell other things that were outside of their game, that was outside of their offerings, and try to be known for that. And what happened? People got confused. Everybody got confused. And we had a Kmart too, and Kmart was a... Well, now, I mean, what Sears did was they said, oh, you're our competitor now. You're our competitor. I mean, Kmart was a deep discount. You know, they sold lots of crap, and they had some good stuff, but they were known for their prices. Sears was known for quality of their goods. But I guess they wanted to play the pricing game and the fashion game, so they tried to take on these others who were just doing their thing anyway, and they got confused and stupid. And why, I have no idea, but like I said, I think they needed to raise their game in terms of their image of how newer generations looked at them going down the path of selling clothes was really confusing and just hurt them even more as people go I, I don't know what they do anymore I, I do why would I go there well, they sell clothes I would never buy my clothes in Sears who the heck would buy their clothes at Sears listen <laughs> Sears was a, is it was a was a great store but people did not go there to get their clothing outside of you know actually they were they sold more of like kids clothes and outdoor clothes I remember tough skins these were jeans that you know little boys always got the rips in their knees this is before rips in the knees were cool people okay you get rips in the knees and oh you can't have that so 
you know, mom would always have to sew a patch. In the 70s, we had patches. And it'd be like a smiley face patch. And if you were a girl and if you were a boy, you know, something to do with a car, you know, you get like a Ford patch, like that oval blue and white logo. And she'd sew it on your knees. <laughs> so it kind of looked cool and cover up that gaping hole. You know, the cover up the scab in your knee because when you went, you know, fell down on the playground, skinned your knee, ripped your jeans. Now I'm going to put a patch on it and so you look cool again. So they had tough skins and what it, ha- what it had was it had a patch inside the leg um, with an adhesive to the knee of the pant leg on the inside. So you didn't see it, but it was reinforced. So you couldn't rip it and those were tough skins. So, you know, they were known for that as well. But again, that's more utilitarian. That was more true to their nature. So the clothing wasn't fashion clothing. It was utilitarian. It served a functional purpose. You you get it? So that wasn't necessarily going so much outside their space, although it could have been because it was clothing. But at least it was within their branding of being functional in a household sort of way. So when they started confusing people by offering clothes, it was really just a downhill spiral from there, from which they never recovered. But, you know, I'm going to, the next thing, and and I still, it blows my mind when I think about what they were going to do in order to bail themselves out. So this is, I think this was last year, not 2018 last year, um, a full, a little over a year ago, I think it was 2017, and Sears was having trouble for years in and out of bankruptcy, Chapter 11, you know, reorganization, trying to figure themselves out, trying to figure out who they were. And they needed to raise cash quick to do whatever. I don't know what their plan was, but they need to raise cash. They need to save the company that was bleeding profusely. So you know what they decided to do? They decided it would be a good idea to sell off the craftsman tool line to somebody else in order to raise money. Now, based on what I just told you, the what the company was built on, what they were known for, they were going to sell the one singular brand that probably outshined their other brands and get rid of it and now be known for what? I don't know. I could not believe it. So they were going to sell off the Craftsman line in order to raise cash in order to save the business. To me, that was the na- that was the last nail in the coffin, honestly. Because if I can't get my Craftsman tools at Sears anymore, if I can't get my tools at Sears, well, I'll go somewhere else. So why on earth would I set foot in your store? By the way, their order centers were going downhill. People weren't going there either. They just, um, there was other alternatives. And Sears could not stay relevant for the life of them. And it's sad. It's sad because the moral is know who you are and don't try and change for other people. That's that's part of the essence of branding. And that's what we do at Genovese Web. You know, go to unleashmybeastbrand.com and see if you can tell who we are. We are no nonsense. We are polarizing we say what we believe and we don't really make apologies for it not really we don't make apologies for it we are only the branding company for brands who are strong 
who have strong decision makers, who have strong leadership, who know they need to change, who are willing to change despite current success, or maybe despite the fact that they they think there's another way out of their situation. Well, it takes guts in order to change. And it takes guts to admit and state who you are and make no apologies for it. Because you're going to step on toes and people don't like to ruffle anybody's feathers anymore. And I say ruffle them. There are people who need their feathers ruffled and there are people who agree with you and they will ruffle other people's feathers too. And that's okay because that's how you gain raving fans. But when you know who you are and you don't make apologies for it, you strut your stuff and you're the best at it. You're, you're you and people respect that. You're you and nobody tries to change you and you would never change for anybody. Could you imagine that you're dating somebody and they don't like something about you so you decide, well, I'm going to change for you. Why the heck would you do that? If they don't like you for who you are, then bye-bye, you know? You find somebody else. You always be you. So your personal brand, your business's brand, find out who you are, stay true to who you are, don't change for anybody, learn to work within your space, make your own playbook, make your own rules, build your own arena and play in it. And that's how you are going to win. Stay true to yourself. I want to know what you think. I want to know your questions. I want to hear what you want to hear on future podcasts. So hit me up across the web. Twitter and Instagram at AuthenticRobG. Over on YouTube, my channel Savvy. Check the videos. Spike the comments below. Hit that subscribe button. Got great new content coming up regularly. This has been Building Beast Brands, the Authentic Rob G Podcast. I am Rob G. Thank you for listening and have a great day.